The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 1015 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Thanks. Guys, you can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, we've been in the exact same verse for going on this week six weeks. All right? I mean, think about that for a moment. If we were going to work our way through the Bible, it would, what, take a couple millenniums? I don't know. Um, but, but these small words, if we dig into them, branch out into something much, much bigger. You know, um, when I think back of teachers in my life, one that and I know I've talked about him before. Um, I know I have because he made that big of an impact in my life. Um, his name was, was Jack Leak. Um, we called him Mr. Leak. And he was uh, a brand new teacher at Altamont Grade School. And as a matter of fact, um, his first year of teaching was my first year in moving into junior high. Um, he's now a guidance counselor in that same school. Um, but Mr. Leak... The, the interesting thing about this guy, I mean, I, I understand, I was, I was a 12-year-old boy, and everything about him was something that I looked up to, okay? He was a college quarterback, all right? He looked like John Elway, and he liked the Broncos. Now, nobody's perfect, okay? We have to understand that, all right? He was a fun coach. He coached just about everything, and he was good at coaching. Um, he was a deer hunter. And you know what that means to me. He was, he was a magician. Um, he was an incredibly talented teacher. Um, and looking back on all of that, I can tell you with 100% confidence that I think I learned a lot from him. I think I did. I mean, he was a good teacher and all. But trying to think back to 7th and 8th grade, how many things that I learned from that man that still have their effect in my life today? You probably have your own favorite teachers when you think back on your life. Here's a question for you. How many of those favorite teachers in your life taught you in a classroom? Or maybe the question could be phrased a little differently. Maybe this is a better question. Of everything valuable you've learned in life, how much of that teaching took place in a classroom setting? We're talking about getting ourselves approved before God. We have talked about for weeks now that this is a process. This is a growth process that will not end until the day we breathe our last breath and we leave this world. That's what it means to grow in Christ. It's never supposed to stop. And if we ever get complacent and think we've reached the level that we need to be, that's the first sign that we have not reached that level. And for us to understand that... This is a goal. Putting ourselves in a place to answer the call when the call comes upon us to step up and serve or lead or whatever God has in store for you. He will make it known one day. 
And we have to understand that when it comes to our God, he's much, much more concerned about our future than our past. The only thing God cares about when it comes to our past and our failure in our past is this. Have we repented of it? Have we changed and left it behind? That's all he cares about. Our God is concerned about the future. This is what we've talked about so far. And the weeks behind us. Reputation. Reputation matters. Yes, God is more concerned about the future than the past. Do not fall into the trap of thinking, I can't, I can't be used by my reputation. He wants us to get in a place where our reputation is good. Alright, moral purity. We talked about that. We talked about this. We talked about balanced living. Understanding that this world isn't our home. It's not. Living prudently. And, and that, one's, that one throws us off a little bit because we have things that come to mind when we think of prudent living. What that amounts to is this. Living in this way with a correct view of God, ourselves, and others. Living respectfully. That can be summed up in this way. Our words and our behaviors or our actions or our deeds, they match up. They match up. Then last week we talked about using our resources, specifically our homes, to benefit God's kingdom. So let's continue to move on. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Okay? Now we're not, this is the only time we're going to be in here, and then we're going to be jumping into 2 Timothy here very quickly, alright? But this is what it says. It says, an overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable. Those are the things we've already covered. And then this, able to teach. I know what you're thinking. I know where your mind's going because when I read this, it's exactly where my mind goes. Because I've, I've grown up in church. I've been around church a long time. And when I think of teaching and I think of church, this is where my mind goes. Sunday school. VBS, how about this? Men's, women's, singles, young mothers, entrepreneurs, deer hunters, teens. i put any other label in there. Bible studies, all right? That's what we think of. But here's a question for you once again. Where did you learn most of your valuable knowledge and life skills? In a classroom? In a college? Or a church? Or did you learn most of what you know by simply doing life with people? Some of the best teachers in our lives never sat down and studied with us. There's nothing wrong with that, mind you. Absolutely not. And we are a church that values sitting down and opening God's word together. But don't fall into the trap of thinking you have nothing to teach anyone because you haven't been given the gift of teaching. No. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're to be a teacher. All right, turn over to 2 Timothy. It's only going to be a few pages for you, all right? 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time today. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
Beginning with verse 23, we'll read through verse 25. But foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. I think I left a word out there, didn't I? Let's try that again. But what? Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all. What's that next one? Does that sound familiar? Able to teach. Patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Now that 26, we'll catch that here in a little while, okay? Here's a question for you. Why in the world would Paul put able to teach? Why would he take that word? Guys, in the Greek language, able to teach is only used twice in the entire New Testament. Once in the one we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and again in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Why would Paul use this word in the middle of these words? Refuse ignorant speculation. Don't be quarrelsome. Be kind. Be patient when wronged. And correct those opposing the truth gently. Why would he put able to teach in the middle of all of that? You know why? Because life is a classroom. We never stop learning. And we never stop teaching. Every mature follower of Jesus must strive to teach well. Let's break these orders down a little bit, okay? Like I said, we're going we're gonna to stick right here for a while. In 23, 24, and 25. So keep it. I mean, this is good stuff. How many people know when I say this word, what I'm talking about? Message board. By show of hands. Okay, keep those hands up. Hold them up. Hold them up proud. All right. Okay, how many of you with your hands... That's all that know what a message board is? Seriously. Are you just being shy? Okay. I see a few more of you putting your hands up. Okay. Okay, now if you think I'm talking... Put your hand back up, Chuck. There you go. There you go. Okay. Now, if you think I'm talking about a whiteboard at work that somebody writes on with a dry erase marker, put your hand down. (laughs) Okay, if you think I'm talking about something on the interweb, leave your hand up. Okay, now you can put your hands down. How many of you participate in any kind of internet forum? Got a few of you? You know what the biggest one is? Oh, yeah, you know, Facebook. Yep, Facebook, absolutely. It's probably the largest message board on all the Internet, but there are many others. Um, I go to two on a somewhat regular basis. One is a KU message board. Haven't been there for a while. Put your, put your thumb down, Darren Almond. That was the most embarrassing, pitiful excuse of football that I've ever heard about in my entire life. Not speaking about Iowa State. They're pretty tough this year. 
Nobody on a KU message board has the motivation or the energy to argue about anything right now, okay? But I also like to go to bow hunting message boards at times. I'm not going to bore you with the details of that, absolutely not. But I'll tell you what, you spend a little time in any internet community like that and you will find out one thing, people will argue about anything, anything, ridiculous stuff, just calling each other names that they would never call in person, ever. Internet tough guys. You know what I'm talking about. An internet, what do they call a tough internet, tough woman? Do they have a name for that? A what? Keyboard warrior? Is that? <laughs> I'll stop right Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. Here's a question for you. Because I would be willing to bet that I'm not the only one in this room that can be drawn into an argument. How much of what we argue about even matters in the long run? Follow that with this. The Lord's bondservant, Paul doesn't use that that terminology real often. He uses it in regards to himself. He calls himself the bondservant of Christ. And what he means by that is a slave. That's what a bondservant is. It's a slave. And he says this. The Lord's slave must not be Quarrelsome. Here's the question for you, though. What about arguments that are not about foolish stuff that does not matter? Is Paul telling Timothy here? Because in 2 Timothy, in 1 Timothy, Paul is giving Timothy instructions of what to look for when it comes to a mature follower of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy, Paul is giving instruction to Timothy himself. And he's saying to Timothy, do not be quarrelsome. So is Paul telling Timothy to let error go uncorrected? No, he's not saying that. But how does God's servant, God's slave, correct others when they're in need of correction. What is next in our list? Be kind. Rewind. Anybody remember that? If you remember that, I'm just curious because some of you young people are going to be like, what in the world is he talking about? Be kind. Rewind. If you were a Blockbuster fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? And didn't you hate it when you got those things and somebody wasn't kind? Dad, they weren't kind. What kind person who watched that movie before us? Be kind. It's a little bit bigger than rewinding. He says, be kind to who? All. There are no exceptions when it comes to the follower of Jesus as to who said follower has to be kind to all everyone and I don't know about you but all for 
probably most of us means those that we don't like too much. Perhaps those who don't like us at all. There are people in this world who do not like us. There are people in this world who do not like believers of Jesus. Yet we are to be kind to all. This is how we live out Paul's instruction to be kind. Now remember, we're talking about being kind when it comes to correcting wrong. And this is how we live out his instruction right out of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, specifically Ephesians 4.15. You don't have to turn there. I'll tell you what it says, okay? And I'm going to paraphrase it just a little bit. Paul says this. He says, speak the truth in love. The truth has enough power on its own. It doesn't need any of our help when it comes to the conviction side of it. Truth convicts, okay? It does. What truth desperately needs is the love of the corrector for the one being corrected. Be kind. Teachers, be kind. Here's a question for you. This is more of a law enforcement question, which I know absolutely nothing about, especially hands-on experience with it, but there's some in this room who will know what I'm talking about from first-hand experience. Who in the world goes into a firefight these days without Kevlar? You know what I'm talking about? Armor. We call them bulletproof vets. they got all kinds of names for this stuff these days. And here is what we need to understand. If we're going to teach in the midst of life, because life can get tough, and if we're going to teach in life, we better armor up. What's next here? The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, be kind to all, able to teach. That's the one we're talking about this whole time, so we're jumping over it. What's the next one? Patient when wrong. Do you know what that phrase in the Greek means literally? Ready to put up with evil. That's what it means. Because if you're going to teach, you better be ready. Ready to put up with evil. Directed where? At you. Have you gotten tired of this word yet? Offended. How about when I put it in this way? Have you gotten tired of this word yet? I have been, this phrase, I have been offended. We think about it. I mean, mean, we think about society. We think about how easily we see people get offended. It's like you cannot say anything. If you're a public figure these days, you have to measure the words you say so carefully for fear that you're going to offend somebody. 
But let's bring this home a little bit. What about this? What about when the one offended is you? You offended me. He offended me. They offended me. And I've said the words myself. And the next time I say those words, this is what I want. I want somebody in this room to correct me and say these words to me. You got to go to the wise people to get the good words, all right? Matt Foley. You know Matt Foley, right? You not know Matt Foley? His name in real life was Chris Farley. All right? You know what his favorite words were? Lottie freaking da. So the next time I say, I've been offended, you say to me, so Patient when wrong. You know why it's important for somebody to say that to me? Because I get offended. Because this is why. When I am in the, a position of being offended, I desperately need to get over myself. The Lord's servant must be patient when wronged. And we've all been wronged. And sometimes we've been wronged in ways that the person who wronged us doesn't even know they wronged us. You know the thing about Kevlar? Now, I don't know this from, per- from personal experience, okay? But I, I can, I, I, I've heard this. That it can save your life, but it still hurts. It still hurts. The servant of God hurts, but he or she remembers how much Jesus loved and loves those who opposed him. Romans 5. While we were yet sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. Folks, to get ourselves in a place where we can be patient when wronged. This takes an incredibly high level of spiritual maturity. I'm not there yet. I'm trying. Folks, don't ever underestimate yourselves. You are giants. You carry a power within you beyond anything you can fathom. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been washed clean by his blood, if you've entered that watery grave, two things happen. If you had a repentant heart, two things happen. Your sins are forgiven. And you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
you combine a growing knowledge of God's Word. And we've got to be growing in our knowledge of this, folks. That is not a responsibility of any leader of a church to impart upon anyone. Elders, teachers, whoever. Teachers, I'm using it in that old way of using teachers. Remember Sunday school, VBS, all that stuff? Okay, all right. It is our responsibility to dig into this ourselves and learn how it can affect us and what it means to us. But you take a growing knowledge of this and you combine it with the power of the Holy Spirit and you get an incredibly powerful combination. You have been placed in this world in a large part to defend the truth and oppose those who stand against the truth. You are a giant. Do not underestimate yourself. The trick is being a gentle giant. What's it say next? With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition to the knowledge of the truth. It's more than training our minds to stand for the truth. It's also training ourselves to keep our emotions in check when standing on the front lines fighting for the truth. How do we remain gentle when there are those opposing us who are swinging away at us. We love them anyway. You're a giant if you're a follower of Jesus. Pray for the strength to be gentle. The biggest teaching moments in life don't always come when the birds are singing and the sun is shining. Sometimes those moments come when the storms are raging. It's at those moments in life we are especially called by our Lord to love. First and foremost, to love. And when necessary, to teach by words and by example. Much of what we're taught in life that really matters. I mean, if Mr. Leak was here today, I would say it the same. And he's a great guy. He's, he's a great guy. But most of what we learn in life that really matters doesn't happen in a classroom. Or even in the walls of a church building. Every follower of Jesus is called to be an effective and sensitive teacher for him. Take a look at what's at stake here, guys. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. How do we set captives free? in this world 
we teach them the truth. And if we do not do that in love, they're never going to hear. The world that we lived in, folks, is not the world that God designed. It's not. Now, don't get me wrong, He created it. And this morning, I don't know about you, but in the pre-dawn time this morning outside, it was beautiful. And I don't know how anyone can look and see the beauty of that and not understand that there's a creator behind it. So some of God's design is still at work, but I'll tell you what, folks, the ugliness in this world is not by his design. There's another who entered into paradise messed everything up. He has a variety of names. Lucifer, Satan. Like the instructions given to Timothy by Paul, the devil. And when you say that he is opposition to God, understand It's not an equal fight. It's not even close to a fair fight. This is God. This is Satan. And yet, he has wrought pain and sorrow into this world. It won't last. Our God will not let it last. And a day is coming, people, when sorrow and pain will be ancient history. And it's the desire of our God for everyone to be in that future. And amazingly enough, with all of his power, with all of his authority, he calls on us to be involved and bring the truth to a world that needs it. You're giants. Holy Spirit's in your life, your giant. Do not ever underestimate what God can do through you. Would you stand with us, please? We're going to pray. If the Lord's working on your heart about anything, don't leave here until you talk to somebody about it.
I'll be here. JB will be here. Melvin will be here. Steve will be here. There's a lot of other people in this room who will be here too. There are not a dozen teachers in this room. There are not a dozen people in this room capable of helping you find out what God has for you. There's a room full. And if you don't want to talk to one of us, that's fine. But find somebody to talk to. Find out where the Lord's leading. And why he's speaking to your heart. Okay? Do that before you leave. Let's pray.